This podcast is brought to you by Mezcala Nursery, located at 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805. Mezcala, family-owned, family-ran since 2007. This place is my happy place, you guys. I'm there all the time. It's a giant piece of property full of greenhouses packed to the brim of everything you can possibly imagine, from your landscaping needs to houseplants to cactus and succulents. They even have a greenhouse solely dedicated to rare and obscure collector specimens. I'm talking, I've seen Monstera albos there. I've seen tide constellations there. Rare collector specimens that I can't even find online, I find them there. If you head over to their Instagram, at Mezcala Nursery, they keep their stories updated daily of these plants that can come and go really quick. You could miss it. Make sure to go check it out. Not only that, they treat you like family. I bring my kids with me, you guys, and I always have an amazing experience. Such great customer service, so helpful, so knowledgeable, and prices that can't be beat. Bring them a price from another nursery, they'll beat it. Bring them a price from a big box store, they're going to beat it. 6901 Orange Avenue, Long Beach, California, 90805, Mezcala Nursery. Tell them I sent you. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to If Plants Could Talk. This is Garrett. I'm your host. This conversation took place on April 6th, 2021, with my guest, Keytoy. Want to take a moment to thank everyone once again for tuning into this podcast. It's been an awesome ride, and I'm very impressed by the World Wide Web and just how vast that web is. Got people tuning in from UK, Germany, Puerto Rico, Mexico, Japan, Israel, Canada, Portugal, Turkey, Poland, Spain, Philippines. Shout out to the Philippines. You guys are awesome for listening to this podcast. And I have um, a feeling that after interviewing Kitoy, who has a pretty expansive following and presence in the community, that this is going to only grow. And I'm so excited and so grateful for that. Kitoy is very knowledgeable, very interesting, experienced for sure. I would say experienced uh, is a great way to explain this man and his form. Uh, we got to hear some of his inspiration and peer into his process a little bit. He was very transparent about what he's learned and mistakes that he's made along the way and his process and, and you know some things that maybe we wouldn't hear anywhere else. So, just really grateful for him and stoked for you guys to not only hear this, but I'm going to post a video option because he did uh, incorporate some visuals and showed me some plants. So if you're listening, please head over to my Instagram at if plants could talk podcast and uh, check out the video. I'll be posting the video as well today. So without any further ado, I'll shut up already. Here's key toy key toy. What's up, brother? Hey, how are you? Uh, I'm doing great. Just finished loading the kiln, so I got uh, time to do whatever we're going to do. Oh, yeah? What's your capacity? Like, I don't know much about pottery, but uh, how many pots can you do at once? Uh, it depends on the size. So if they're small, like this, this type of size, I can get probably 150 in the kiln. Oh, wow. I don't make, I don't make any. I make... Anything from that size up to the biggest I can do right now is about 21 inches in diameter. Radical. So if I do those, I can get maybe three three inside. So it just depends on the size that I'm making. Yeah. Man, I watched some of those videos that you put up, man, and they're incredible. It's like mesmerizing watching the, the clay get formed and go up yeah, and yeah. down and it's hypnotic. Yeah, it's an interesting process for sure. I very much enjoy it, and I enjoy the content that you put out, and I'm, like, super humbled that you uh, were willing to come on here, man. Uh, where where are you from originally? Where do you hail from? Uh, uh, San Francisco Bay Area. Okay. Uh, born and raised there. Uh, what, uh, what? Graduated high school, 81. Okay. So, uh, went to school, high school out there, junior high, all that out there. Worked out there. 
just kind of did my thing. Wasn't really into plants. I got into plants probably just out of high school when I when I bought my bought my first house in eighty. It was eighty four, eighty five. I bought my first house, mm-hmm. and I wanted the landscape, so I went for Cal, uh, California natives. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what got me started in all this plant thing, and you know, shrubs and trees and perennials, that kind of thing. And then uh, I went to Tilden Park up in the Oakland Hills to the uh, California Native Botanical Garden, and I saw, uh, you know, a desert landscape there, and I saw some cactus and succulents and things like that, so that kind of started the bug for that, so I made a little uh, cactus and succulent area in my yard, and this was in Vallejo, that was, like I said, 86, 85, somewhere around there. That's a long time. And then it just grew from there. Yeah. It's hard to pinpoint what exactly, because I, I see from on a day-to-day, maybe even post-by-post uh, basis, your styles, the different types of plants all the time. You can stage yeah. just about anything, huh, at this yeah, point? Yeah, to, to a certain extent. You know, some, I've learned a lot over over the years and what will work and what won't work and that kind of thing. Yeah. Pretty unique stuff, man. Incredible work. Yeah, yeah, I've collected a you know a, a wide array of things. Back, well, let's see. When I got into the South African succulents. That was probably ninety ninety one, because um, I, I got hurt at work and you know I wasn't working and uh, I used to go down to the botanical gardens in Berkeley and mm-hmm. just wander around there and then you know because I had, couldn't do anything else and I came across the South African garden at uh, Strawberry Canyon. And that's what got me started on, on the South African succulents. Can you can you uh, name some of those for that. me? What the plants? Yeah, what falls into that into South the, African euphorbia? Well, like no euphorbias, yeah. aloes, cyclostemas. Okay, uh, there's all kinds. Uh, awesome. Conophytums, lithops, just wide range of different different types of succulents in that area. And yeah, that's kind of what got me. You know, and then in 91, and then, you know, at that time, there wasn't a lot of nurseries out like there is now. But back then, you know, I went, there was Home Depot and a couple of small nurseries around. And, you know, I found my first succulent was a Cyphostema jutae that I found at Home Depot mm-hmm. uh, in a three-inch pot. And that was in 91. And I still have it today. And, you know, it's it's a monster today, you know, but I don't. I tend to grow things on the neglect side, so they 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 resemble habitat plants, and that's mm. what I like is that that beat up looking. I don't like a pristine looking uh, plant. Is you know a lot of my plants are are stressed looking, and I get a lot of flack for that sometimes. But that's just my preference, and you know, it's, when you get so many plants, it's very easy to take care of that way. Yeah. I can appreciate that a lot. That's like what's magnificent about these types of plants is that they they can survive. The yeah, harsh, that's they're designed. Climate. Yeah, yeah, they're designed to survive on minimal nutrients, minimal water, minimal everything, root space, you name it. Yeah. Cool. Um, I actually I, I made a post and uh, I put out some questions to Instagram and some people were asking, I, I felt kind of embarrassed. I asked Euphorbia Euphoria this on one episode, what his nationality was. But what I meant to say was what his ethnicity is. One of the yeah. questions submitted was, uh, <laughs> was are, are you Pinoy? And that question came from, I'm a little green minded. <laughs> I'm half. Really? So my mom, my mom is uh, from, Hawaii, her parents are first generation from the Philippines. So they came to the uh, to Hawaii in the early 1900s. Wow. Uh, she was born in 1940. Um, and, you know, my parents, you know, I was born here in California. And they took me back to see my grandparents. I think I was like four or five. And my grandmother, you know, even to how old I remember, you know, when she was in her 60s, could barely speak any English. But at that time, she was even worse. And she didn't say Keith. It came out Ketoy for 
whatever reason. Cool. And that's been my nickname ever since. So my parents, my sisters, all, all my family call me Kitoy. And so that's just the, I use that as for the pottery, for the plants, for everything. You know, it's just, I use that for all my, that's my uh, trademark, I guess. I, I don't know what you would call it. Yeah. It's like a, a, a stage name almost. Yeah, a stage name. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Yeah, I like that. That's really cool, man. I, I would have never guessed that that's what it was from. Yeah. Um, would would you... I, I'm half Filipino, too. I don't know if you've heard some of the other episodes. I've mentioned that. Um, yeah, my mom was born in the Philippines, and uh, I'm very... I was raised by that side of my family. Well, so I was going to ask you, was it, was it would you argue that it was like a naturally part of your culture to appreciate plants? Uh I I don't know because my mom was in you know house plants mm-hmm. but never you know now she's more into plants but at that time all I remember was house plants I don't remember a lot of gardening happening and that kind of thing mm-hmm. so you know now you know because I went back to the Philippines in 2019 you know, I was the I was invited to the uh, cactus and succulent convention as wow. as their guest speaker so they flew me out to uh, manila to the to the club and i did a talk on staging and you know and got to visit all the different nurseries in the area and, and that kind of thing so i did that in 2019 wow what an incredible experience that's so cool to get yeah, invited oh, yeah. to the it motherland was, for that yeah it was very very uh, not enlightening but it was just a different way of doing the same things you know mm-hmm. because of the climate you know, and I, I went to some areas that the climate was like San Diego, where it was cool, foggy, and that's where all the big nurseries were. And then, like down in Manila, it was to- completely different. The, the plants that were grown and the conditions, because it was hotter, humid, more humid, and uh, you know, it was just different uh, culture there. Mm-hmm. I would guess that they have a pretty uh, big cactus community then? Uh, it's fairly new. Okay. You know, probably 10 years. Okay. You know, there's some, there's some, I met a, quite a few growers that have been doing it for many, many, many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bulk of it is fairly recent within the last 10 years. Mm. And, um, you know, what was interesting about the, you know, because I've been to conventions out here in the U.S. and it's, it was totally different. Like here, it's more educational in that it's, you know, more slideshows and talking about destinations and that kind of thing, mm-hmm. where their convention was more of a hands-on approach where they had little workshops where there's all these little old ladies learning how to graft yeah. and how to degraft and how to root and how to propagate from seed and how to do a lot of the basic stuff that you know, we kind of pick up as we go where, you know, you learn from friends or, you know, online now and you just kind of, you know, figure it out as you go. Yeah. Where there, they were actually teaching, you know, how to go about with these processes, which I thought was very interesting. That's awesome. Where, where did you, uh, where did you find your love for pottery? Let's see. So I've been growing the plants for all these years and a lot of the, I knew people in the clubs already. I wasn't really into the club scene or the shows or anything like that. I was just into growing plants and, and just growing the plants. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a few guys who said, Oh, you got to take it to the show. You got to go to the show. You, you know, these plants are great. You got to take them to the show. And so I, I went looking for pots, you know, I went to home Depot and all these different places, nurseries, pottery outlets, and all the pots were either too big, too expensive, too shiny, too ornate. It just wouldn't suit what I had in, in a vision in my head, what mm-hmm. the pot should look like. So uh, at that time I was married and my, my ex at the time was doing, she was making porcelain dolls and had a kiln. And so I just, I looked on, let's see, that was in 2008, I believe. Wow. So I went, went on YouTube and I just went, and basic succulent pot. I just put in that and there was a person made a pot on a, a drape mold. And so I went down to the pottery, 
ceramic supply and I bought 25 pounds of clay, made a simple pot over a wash tub I had. Uh, I put the plant in it, took it to the inner city show, got on the trophy table and that kind of snowballed from there. That's so fucking cool. What kind of plant was it? Uh, it was the Cyphostema. Oh, okay. Cyphostema okay. I took that big ass, you know, it was probably a hundred pounds at the time, you know, with the potty a little more. And, you know, it was just a basic pinch pot, really draped form. And, but, you know, I got it. I want it. And then, you know, that first couple of years, I just tried, I tried all the different techniques I could, I could learn about. I, I, you know, tried different I tried Raku, I tried pit fire, I tried all these different things just to kind of get a feel for the clay and, and, and my style and that kind of thing. And I don't remember exactly how I came across how I do it now, but I, I don't know if I dropped the clay or, or, or something. I, I did something on accident. Wow. And it, it made this impression in the clay. And I wonder if I can recreate that. Uh-huh. And that's just kind of what I figured out how to do certain techniques. And, you know, like in all things in clay, everything's pretty much been done. You know, everybody does it a little differently, sure. but all the techniques have, have pretty much been done. So I just take from, I look at, I don't usually look at plant pots to get inspiration. I look at dirt. I look at soil. I look mm. at rocks. I look at mountains. I look at, anything where i'm wherever i am i look around and i just i wonder if i could because there's a few pots i made we were at this lake up in sonora and the way that the the rocks formed around the lake were vertical and i wonder i was thought looked at it and i think is there a way i could recreate that in a pot i made a few of them and i'm still working on perfecting that technique but uh you know, I just get ideas from wherever. And pottery tends to go in trends. Mm-hmm. You know, if you watch what everybody does, you know, everybody kind of does very similar. So what I try to do is wherever I see trend, I go the opposite direction. Okay. And so I just try to be, that's why I'm always changing. I'm always evolving. I'm always doing something different just to stay away from everybody else. Uh-huh. I can appreciate that. That's dope. I'd say you succeeded at that. Yeah, yeah, I try, you know, and then I do a lot of things with the plants that nobody really does. You know, nobody root prunes. And I, le- I took bonsai courses back in the 90s. Uh-huh. And that's, I took what I learned there and I applied it to the succulents. So when I do, you know, like when I do my videos of the root pruning, mm-hmm. you know, this was that much taller. And I just chopped that off because what I'm going to do is I'll, I'll plant this on a tile inside of a pot. And then this root mass will stay close here instead of wandering down. Mm-hmm. And that's what they do for bonsai trees. And so I just took what I learned there and apply it to the succulents. Beautiful. Uh, I saw you cut that thing, I think, earlier in your story. Yeah, yeah. I think that was one of the ones I did. Yeah. Because here's the one. I rechopped this one today because I didn't, I didn't like, I was looking at it compared to a pot. And I didn't like it. So I cut it off again today. So I'll let that dry a few days and then I'll pot it up i'm so happy that you have some visual uh to show us yeah too. yeah so I, I you know like i brought different things over like different pot this is something i tried out of a different technique and it's two different clays and it just dries at different rates and then it cracks mm. so it cracks naturally yes i okay. didn't have to do anything to it it's just the way it dried and formed and that kind of thing and then i take like this one is a pot I actually it's called a scrapper and so after I carve pots and things like that I have clay left over and instead of recycling it to make fresh clay I just take the wet pieces and throw them into a mold and I press it together and then I make stuff like this cool and then that's a rabudia cranziani cranziani and then a little sedum that volunteered in there mm. So a lot of times I, I like to build the pot around the plant. Most people don't have that luxury. You know, they have to get the plant then go find a pot where I can my what I love to do is get go hunt for a plant, the gnarliest looking thing I could find and then create a plant or a pot around it. That's my favorite. Yeah. So like 
the uh, this uh, conophytum mayrii. That's what I, I found this plant, and then I made this pot to go with it. So you're custom making pots for plants that you find. Yeah, that's and that, that's sick, what dude. I like to. That's what I like to do the most. And there's you know people that live like there's a guy that lives fairly close to me. I'm going to go pick up a plant to his on Thursday, and then design a pot for it, make it, stage it, and give it back to him. Nice. So you'll do like custom order for people. Someone says, hey, I got this plant, yeah. bro. Will you make me yeah. a pot for it? Yeah, I do it all the time. You know, a lot of, And then like the guys in Southern California or back east will send me a picture of the plant with dimensions. And then I want to know, you know, certain root depths and all this kind of thing. And then I'll design something around that. So do you like draw stuff out too? No, it's all done in my head. Oh, wow. I don't, I don't sketch anything. I don't take one note. No fucking way. I don't keep track of anything. Um, if something happens and I like it, it's very hard to recreate. Uh, I'm one of those. I just kind of fly by the seat of my pants with whatever I make or do. Yeah. Uh, I don't. Uh, when I like today loading the kiln, I had space for some little pots, so I just rolled out some clay and to do most. Like nobody should do this probably nobody does it except for me is i make the pot it's in the kiln now drying and then i'll fire it tonight Mm -hmm. and it's still wet Mm -hmm. um but i've learned on the size of the pot that that i can do that with and the thickness of clay so if the thickness is too much it'll explode if it's the right thickness it'll dry and then uh, be ready to glaze tomorrow cool i'm happy that you're transparent about that giving away little secrets yeah, well, and then the thing is, I have my own kiln, so I can do these kind of things. Most yeah. people, they go to studios or they rent space in a kiln, and they can't do what I do. You know, I do glazing that you, there's no way you could do that in a, a commercial kiln because it makes a mess. Mm. Yeah, like, uh, I don't know if I have, uh, I don't have, oh, there's one, hold on. Okay. You This dude's fucking cool. Like this, this crater glaze here. You can't do this in a commercial kiln. That is so cool, it, man. It makes a mess. But I have my own kiln and my own shelves, and I can experiment and do things that you just can't do. Yeah. What? Where? Where do you find inspiration to make a pot like that? I mean, to me, it looks like molten lava or something. That was uh, well, like this one. The same thing. Yeah, this is, for this sure. is my original lava pot, and I got the idea for this on a lava hike in Hawaii a couple of years ago. Cool. Um, it, we, it was some fly-by-night outfit, and we had to hike like eight miles through residential backyards and, until we got to the lava fields. Uh-huh. And we got to – they let us play in the lava, which was incredible. And I got all these ideas – just from playing in that clay with sticks and rocks and <laughs> getting as close as we could and, and, and things like that. So. And that just stays in your head with you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've never, like I said, I've never written a thing down. Wow. That's incredible. So when I go, all my secrets will go. <laughs> <laughs> no record, no leaving no record behind, huh? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, one of a kind, man. That's cool. What else? So, what else? Oh, like, uh, you know, and then I have some unusual stuff. Like this this guy here I posted yesterday. Uh-huh. And this one always brings up a, a storm of controversy because it's so shallow. This is one inch deep inside the pot. Sure. You know, an area carpus, everybody's, oh, it's got to have a deep pot. It's got to have this. It's got to have that. And it all depends on how it was raised as a seedling. Uh-huh. You know, if it's raised in a deep pot, yeah, the taproot's going to be long and thick and deep. Yeah. And so, yeah, it needs a deeper pot. But this was raised in a shallow pot forever, and it was shallow when I got it. Uh-huh. So I didn't have to cut anything off, and I just made this pot for it. Uh-huh. So, you know, I was they don't ask- actually need a deep pot, as everybody is told. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Uh, how long do, do some of these have to eventually move out? You know, like, are you, are you staging certain plants and then do they, 
eventually sometimes have to move or are you able to keep well, them? Sometimes it depends. You know, I grow them so hard. They can be in the pot for many, many, many years. Uh-huh. You know, like this one's been in here for at least five years and it's still got plenty of room and, and like that. This Dudleya here has been in this pot at least eight years. Wow. And if you look at it, this is what it would look like in the ground in the desert somewhere. Yeah. Because it's so compact. You know, you, right. a lot of times you see them, the leaves are elongated. The rosettes are, are kind of opened up because it's in too much shade. You know, I'm in the Central Valley, Modesto area. Okay. And so, you know, today it was 80 degrees and this is baking in the sun. This will be in the 100 degree sun this summer. Yeah. So, but... I don't know. It just, and it survives. It comes back every year. I'm surprised it does because everyone's, oh, it's a coastal plant. It'll die. But, you know, I've had it for at least 15 years. It's, and like I said, it's been in this pot for a, a number of years. What, what, what is that? Uh, Dudleya uh, Britonii. Okay. Yeah. So you're, you're, mimic, you're mimicking habitat quite well, yeah. man. Yeah, and that's that's always that's my goal. Whenever I do something, you know, whether it's like this ow, sharp one here, this is uh, Tephrocactus Weberii. Cool. That's a half inch half inch deep pot. Wow. And it's been in there, I don't know, probably six months. Uh huh. But you know, and what I did is I I didn't usually if I was taking this to a show, I would tie it to the plant or tie it to the pot. You know, around the roots and then through the drain hole and take a piece of wire and tie it down. Okay. But since it, it's just here, not going anywhere, I just wedge a rock in there to hold it in place till it establishes. And now it's in there. It's it's pretty stable in there now. Yeah. And this will slow it down to a crawl. It won't. It grows slow already. It's going to grow even slower like this because there's no there's no moisture. It only gets whatever I feed water it, which will be anywhere from two weeks to a month or longer before I watered again. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, I just like that gnarly you know, look to it. And then, you know, the pot kind of accentuates the plant. Yeah. Looks like it was made for it. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> that's cool, man. Uh, I was going to, what was I going to say? I don't know. I don't know either. <laughs> The laws of my train of thought. Do you mind? Do you mind fielding some questions that I'll, that I got? I'll, I'll, yeah, whatever you got. When when we I think we already got to this. You started making pots. This is from Pokey Raccoon. She said, "When did you start making pots?" That's two thousand eight, correct? Yeah, two thousand eight is when I started. That was my first pot, a simple pot. Two thousand ten is when I kind of figured out my style. Uh huh. And then. My style now, because a lot of times, you know, you go to the shows, you go to, you know, whether you see all the pots and you can, if you're knowledgeable about the potters and the techniques and that thing, you can pretty much spot whose pot is whose. And, and most people can spot my pots. The same thing I can spot, you know, Pablo's pots. I can spot, you know, all these different pots that come around that, you know, who's, who makes whose. Because, mm-hmm. you know, there's only a handful, really, that make... Uh, make decent you know, succulent pottery yeah <clears throat> well i'm becoming more and more fascinated by by pottery i let's see what else we got here ashwagandha blossom said how do you decide what fits root shape slash size plant size yours vary and always look great so how do you <laughs> decide what fits all right so this is I think this is the biggest point everyone misses. Mm-hmm. It's proportions. If you look at my plants, my stagings, stagings, everything, it's, it's, everything is proportional. Mm-hmm. The pot is proportional to the plant. A lot of times you go, plots, pots are either too deep, too wide, too... And, and it just does... It looks like the pot was just... The plant was just put in the pot. That would be like... If I took this and I put it in here, it, it looks okay, but it would look better in something that was shallower and wider. Okay. You know, so when I when I make something, 
you know, like this little dead layer here, it's proportional to the top. Yes, it you is. Know, the, the pot doesn't overpower the plant. Okay. So everything is in proportion to what, what's happening, mm-hmm. what's going on above. You know, same with this little crashula here. It's proportion. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing everybody misses. Yeah. You know, everybody tries to use, they want it to grow into that pot. Right. Instead of getting a pot that, you know, and it's different for me because I make the pot. So when the pot gets too, when it gets too tight, you know, I'll either make a new pot or I'll take it out, chop up the roots and put it back into the pot. That's mostly what I, most time what I do. Uh I rarely make a new pot unless it breaks. A lot of times I'll just take the plant that's in there that's getting snug in that pot and I will rip it out of that pot, cut the roots, and make it fit back in that pot. Mm-hmm. And so, there's another, like this, this is a, uh, that's beautiful. This is a Euphorbia flanaginii hybrid. Uh-huh. But same thing, the pot doesn't overpower the plant. Yeah, I see that. I so see exactly what pot, you're saying. If this pot was two inches deeper, it wouldn't look, nowhere as nice as it does right or if it was wider you know or whatever and you know i didn't have to i trimmed a little bit of the root off of this but not much so it's like it's geometrical Uh, it's a geometry thing here (laughs) yeah i guess you can put it that way you know you i don't usually think of it that way but you know i just i can look at a plant you know like i'll go and pick up something either you know i'll buy it online or I'll see a picture of it or I'll get it at a nursery or whatever. And I can tell almost immediately what pot will look good in that, with that plant. Mm-hmm. It's the strangest thing. I, you know, I have no art background. I have, you know, I've been a laborer all my life until now. And I can look at something and say, Oh, that needs this shape of pot, this color, this texture. And it just all comes together. And, and I have no schooling in that. When you say laborer, were you a builder, though? Well, I was, you know, I dug ditches. I worked in warehouses and all that kind of stuff Uh until I got hurt. When I got hurt in 91, I couldn't do any physical work anymore because I hurt my um, right shoulder. And so then I was retrained to work in the hospital. Mm -hmm. And that's what I did till 2017. I kind of partially retired. Mm Mm-hmm. So I do a little bit. I do mainly the pots right now. That's probably 50% of my income, maybe a little more. That's so cool that you're able to make it into, you know, your passion into your income as well. Yeah. 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 It's a lot of fun. I have a good time. Yeah. I could see that. I I mean, wow. That what a, what a life to be able to do that, man. And that's pretty cool that you, you, I I can see that you, you're being honest when you say that uh, you can look at a plant and know what pot goes with it. Um, but it, so you, it's, it's interesting though, that you're not like, um, like a mathematician or, uh, one of those no. logical drawers or designers. I'm one of those, uh, go with the flow, huh? Jack, Jack of all trades. It's master of none. I can look at anything uh-huh. and figure it out and, you know, muddle along, get it working, but I can't do a professional job on it. I can, you know, I can, I can repair just about anything around the house. Mm-hmm. on a car anything i can just figure it out um and it's the same thing with this but i have no training as as they say but you are expressing yourself artistically for sure oh yeah 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 you know because i do a lot of things that nobody does really sure yeah because <clears throat> a, a lot of times when people stage they just get a nice pot they plant the put the plant in put a few rocks put some top dressing okay it's staged where in my eye, that is not staging. Okay. Staging to me is transforming it into a, uh, the word a pot, a plant, everything just come together and make one. I don't like the pot to look separate from the, I like them to come together as one, not mm. look like two separate entities. Okay. And so that's always my vision whenever I, whenever I'm creating something. Mm. Understood. That's cool. I want to get an, at another one of these questions. This is weird. This sure. is a weird one. Green Minded asked, what is the worst part about being a professional potter? The worst part? Yeah. 
Is there one? Hmm. What is the worst part? Uh, my hands are dry as hell. Oh, from the clay. The clay. The clay sucks the moisture out of my skin. That's probably the worst part. Um, you know, the rest. You know, everything else. I think it's a, a lot of fun. You know, I can. You know, I'm not. Li- so the pottery, I'm not. I'm self-taught. Mm-hmm. And so, being self-taught, you don't know the rules. There are certain things you that you don't do when making pots, which I could care less what those rules are. Mm. You know, like they one is you can't. They always say you can't open the kiln, you know, until it op- it's like two hundred degrees. Mm-hmm. Me, I could care less. I open it at a thousand degrees and let it cool. Uh, you know, pull them out when they're five hundred degrees. My my gloves. <laughs> I go through gloves. <laughs> You know, uh, I put clay, you know, you're not supposed to have air pockets in the, in the clay because it will explode. I could care less. I just go, you know, <laughs> if it's got air pockets, it's got air pockets. It, it's not the air pocket that makes it explode. It's the moisture in the clay that makes it explode because the, the, the steam expands and then it's got to go somewhere. So it explodes. It's not the hole in the clay mm. or the air pocket in the clay. So there's things I actually introduce air pockets into the clay. Wow. You know, which, you know, the potters are rolling over thinking, what in the hell? This guy's putting air, you know, I force air into the clay, hmm. you know, so it, it does dirt different things. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, it's just uh, an unusual outlet for my quirkiness. Yeah. Well, but that's what probably what makes your work so unique is those risks, the risks that you're willing to take and that, yeah, there's like a maniacal part of your personality that makes it shows up in your work for sure, bro. Like I, I could see your personality now that I'm talking to you. Um, when I look at your work for sure. Yeah. And that's beautiful. That's the whole point, right. Of expressing ourselves through art. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Someone else asked, Amzm asked, this is my, this is my lady, actually, the mother of my child. Uh, <laughs> she asked what your favorite plant species is. Hmm. There's so many. Um, I don't know. Cyphostema and Euphorbia are probably my top, but you know, it changes different seasons, different plants, you know, like conophytums for the winter growers, uh, pelargonium, same thing, winter growers, um, any, you know, I don't really have a, I have a lot, I have a little bit of everything, you know, I don't have many cactus, you know, that's probably the biggest thing I, you know, I have, I like, uh, the tuberous rooted cactus, you know, mammalaria, some of the mammalarias, mm-hmm. carpus, area carpus, lophophora, uh, that kind of thing, but I don't have a lot of, uh, it's not the spines, I just, I want some character of the root. Uh-huh. And that's, you know, whenever I look at, um, you know, when I am looking at cactus, I'm always looking at something other than the spines or the, the arms or anything like that. Like uh, there's one I got at the inner city show 20, it was 2017. And all it was labeled was a punt, puntia species. It was like a hundred bucks. It was in a 14 inch pot and it's, it was there on Friday. I saw it. I saw it on Saturday, Sunday. It was still there. Uh, and then so I took my tweezers and I lifted up the arm, the arms and the spines. And I looked underneath it and I saw this massive root. OK, I, I bought it. I brought it home. I cut everything off, all the top growth, all the arms. Uh-huh. And I put it into a shallow pot. It's the shallowest pot I could get into and let it grow back. So instead of the arms being long and etiolated like it was, they're little tiny short, just like it, if you saw it in the desert somewhere that's what it would look like little tiny arms little tiny flowers instead of the arms going every which way and and sparse and that kind of thing yeah so i just that's the kind of thing i like i look for when i'm you know whatever it is i'm looking for did i hear you say you judge a plant by its root you judge the plant by its root you liked its root i like i go by the root yeah i always poke around you know everybody does it you know if you watch you can always tell who's serious at the sales mm. when they, they're digging around in the top dressing to look <laughs> at the root. That's who you know is serious. Yeah. You know, Makes sense. a lot of people, they, they look at the top of the plant. Oh, they, you know, because a lot of times, like, say, euphorbia stellata for one. Mm-hmm. 
or Fokia edulis. You know, it's a thumb sticking out of soil with some branches coming off of it. And everybody will, will go after those. Oh, it's so cool and that kind of thing. And it is cool. But I always look for the one that is buried down in the pot a little more. Mm. And then, you know, you kind of squeeze the pot, feel it. You look underneath, see if there's anything coming around the bottom and, you know, poke around. And that's the plants that I go after. I don't go, you know, and then if I do get one that is up elevated, I'll bring it home and bury it into a pot for 10 years and then dig it out and then stage it. Mm. Cool. Yeah. I, I, I thought I saw some bonsais in there. I heard you said you took some bonsai classes. Yeah, that was back in uh, 90, that was probably 92, 93. Yeah. I took a bonsai courses and, you know, I tried the regular bonsai, but you know, I killed everything because I didn't water enough. Uh. You know, where this, I can not water at all and they'll, you know, I can go on vacation for a month and come back and they're still fine. Is that the trick with bonsais? Because I've killed out quite a few of them. I used yeah, to get the ones with the mini plums and I, I would order them yeah. all the time. They're fucking expensive and they'd always die, bro. They're expensive. I killed yep, all of them. all that water. <laughs> lots of water. Lots of care. So that's when I, I took what I learned there and I just apply it to the succulents. Yeah. With the trimming and the pruning and that kind of stuff, like the root work, the yeah. art form of, of, of doing that. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I don't see a lot of columnars. You don't. You don't do a lot of that, right? Uh, no. Well, I've got a couple that I've beat up and scarred up and made them do different things. But mm. Yeah, no, I don't have much columnars. <laughs> you got any grounded couple, plants, or are you just strictly uh, I got a few. potting? I got uh, what I got. Uh, I have some pelargoniums in the ground, some tilacodons in the ground. Uh-huh. Uh, I have raised beds that I have stuff in the so-called ground. Yeah. Um, I have some agaves in the ground. I okay. tried uh, Ucaria propusii in the ground. Uh-huh. It's been, this is its second year, and it's doing pretty good, so I'm going to put more in the ground this year. Okay. Um, and so I'm doing more, um, more in the ground. Yeah, I heard you say you, said, I can, you, you liked landscaping in the beginning. The beginning was the reason why you fell in love with plants was to landscape your first property, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. What were you saying? Go ahead. Continue. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, oh, I'm putting more stuff in the ground. Yeah. Like I put uh, agave white rhino in the ground. Sick. Um, and what I've noticed compared to pot to ground, it grows a little bit faster, but the leaves have at least doubled in width, mm. which I, I like better than the way it was. And then I bought these, you know, before the craze. So they were, you know, fairly reasonable. Mm. Uh, you know, cause now a small plant is outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I paid like 30 or $40 for these. They were in like three inch pots uh, mm. before they, they took off. Yeah. What's so driving a lot that? of the plants? Uh, everybody wants them. Huh. Know, it's, it's demand and you can't do those. Most of those aren't done from seed. They're all pups. Mm. So, you know, they only do a few pups unless you core it. And then you'll get a bunch of pups. So you got to have a mom. But that you got to have many moms. Many moms. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why that's why they're so expensive. Yeah. And I, same with Ericarpus. That you know can only do them from seed. You can mm. do them from cut. You know from grafting, but they don't. They never look as good as seed-grown plants. Mm. Yeah. You know, like the the Ericarpus I posted today, the double-headed one. Uh huh. Oh, it's over here. beautiful man wow so i got this one from a a private collector about i don't know 15 16 years ago and it was on a graft you know probably six eight inches tall and i cut it off rerooted it and then you know it's been in this pot about six seven years it's incredible it reminds me of like um like I was saying earlier, but I, I was thinking sacred geometry, but like a visualizer, you know, like um, when you play music on a computer and you ha- and you turn the visualizer yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's very visually stimulating. Yeah. And there's like a focal yeah. point. Do you work with do you do you use a focal point? Do you try to like find a focal point when you're when you're creating something when you're staging something where you want to draw the mm-hmm. eyes or are you just going with it, whatever well, you think looks best. I just go with it, but. 
what I try to do is make the pot not the focal point. Mm. The plant. I want I want the eye to be driven to the plant. Okay. So if you look at all the plants I have here and that are in nice pots, yeah, the you, your eye never goes to the pot first, mm. never. Your eye will be immediately drawn to the plant, mm. and that's my goal whenever I do anything. I don't want the pot to ever overshadow, you know, unless that's your goal, then that's fine. Sure. But for me, I want the pot to just kind of fade away into the background. Mm. You know, and a lot of these outrageous pots like the lava one i don't have anything staged in a lava pot but everybody likes them so i make them for everybody else mm. my pots are all kind of monotone and just kind of fade away yeah cool so like blending yeah yeah natural natural colors yeah natural colors and it just kind of blends in you know it doesn't distract from what's what's mm. above i can appreciate that for sure that one's fucking cool what is that? Yeah, this is a Crassula alstonii. Hmm. Very rare. Hmm. This is probably 30 years old. Do you know what it's native to? Uh, South Africa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. See, I, I, I want to learn more about this. Like, where do the plants come from? That's pretty cool. I yeah, saw that you have codex in your email. I just learned what a codex was like a couple <laughs> weeks ago. Yeah, that's my thing, codex. So, you know, I'm, you know, cause I've been posting those pictures of soaking, uh-huh. you know, in my yeah, story, for... soaking plants. Uh-huh. And I've gotten a lot of messages regarding soaking. And I tell everybody, I go, think of where their, ha- their habitat is, you know, like mm. the area carpus and locophora. They're in a monsoon area. So when the monsoon comes, they're submerged for a day or two or more wow. in water and then the water goes away and it dries out and then, you know, they come back. So I'm just mimicking a monsoon. Yeah. For those that haven't seen your story, I, I, that's fucking cool. I, I, I've seen that you'd like, you're soaking the pot, you're letting the pot basically float on top of the water, right? Well, it's in the water. From, it doesn't, the pot, oh, you're, you're letting it sink. Oh wait. It. Yeah. yeah you yeah, let yeah, it sink. I forgot. It's submerged in like yeah. three or four inches of water. All the way down to the bottom. Yeah. 24 hours. Okay, I remember seeing that now. Yeah. 24 hours? Uh, yeah. That's and you can wild. visually see the difference when you pull it out. Yeah. Does it plump up or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks swole, man. Swole. It's all swole. <laughs> cool. And and you're letting them like get get pretty desperate for water by that point too, huh? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that's what you want. It, yeah, I don't do it all the time. I do it, you know, if if I'm not busy with pottery and shows and things like that, and I can stay on top of the schedule. I do that about every two weeks, hmm. you know, but most of the time I end up going three weeks, four weeks, six weeks, you know, and, and you know, then, then they deserve, then they appreciate that. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what is your ultimate goal? Um, uh, well for it, actually, I want to go back a little bit where, what, what, why'd you join Instagram? I'm, it sounds like you were doing this before you were on Instagram, right? Well, if you look at my Instagram, I started Instagram as for food. So mm. if you look at my uh, profile picture, it's a pig head. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that too. And so uh, that was back when I, I still cook like that. Lechon? But I just don't post. Yeah, that was, I was making lechon. Mm. So I, I went to the butcher and bought a pig head. You know, I took pictures of it and I deboned it and rolled it up and lechoned it. Mm-hmm. Kowali style. Uh, but that was my Instagram at the beginning was food. And then it just kind of, you know, I said, how many times can I, because I eat pretty much the same garbage all the time. So now I just kind of, it just kind of, the plants took over. And then when I started making pottery, that's when it took off. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it was probably the last five years that it's really exploded. Yeah. And, and that's how, is that how people found you and got you over to the Philippines? Social media? Uh, uh, yeah. 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 You've, got, you've got a pretty large following, a pretty large presence. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm shocked, actually. Fucking <laughs> people cool. People want to see what I do. 
you know the amazing thing I, I was telling Kevin, Crazy for Cactus, like the World Wide Web. Yeah. The listeners, the list is expanding. Uh, it's all over the fucking world that people are listening to this. Oh, and, yeah. And I'm sure yeah. you're you're gonna give us a a boost, uh, man. And and I appreciate that without even you know meaning to. Um, what is your ultimate goal here? Uh, just keep doing what you're doing. Keep just keep doing. I have you know. Every- I get that question every once in a while. Saying, what's your five-year goal? I have no idea. Yeah. I'm looking at right now. I'm looking what's what's the next plant I can acquire. Living what's in the, the moment. That I can. Yeah, I never, never. I, I have I have two businesses. I have the pottery business. I have a shoe business. You know, I make shoes and stuff like that cool. also. Um, but same thing. I, I have no business plan, no plan at all, really. Mm. It's all word of mouth. Um, and same thing there with the shoes. I'm self-taught. I don't know the rules. I do what needs to be done mm. and you know, it works and it just, that's what you know, makes just, the best artists. Yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing most of the time. You know, I have the back, I have a medical background. I have, you know, that's where I've trained medically, mm. you know, so I or podiatry and orthopedics. Oh really? And then, 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 you know, self, uh, self-employed a pet orthist, which is, I make, appliances for the feet mm. so shoes orthotics braces any i can make anything for the feet and it's the same thing it's the weirdest thing when i was training the doctors would say it takes most people years to figure out this process and you've done it in a, in a few weeks mm. you know and so the doctors saw that i was learning at this rate and would show me all this different uh, uh, techniques and and how to do these different processes and stuff. And so I took everything I learned at the hospital and started my own business. Mm. And it was the same thing. It just kind of grew shoe by shoe until you know I did I did that for like almost twenty years. Where can I find the shoes? And, uh, do you- uh, go to Tailored Shoes, T A Y L O R E D Shoes. And you'll see whatever I do. Okay. I don't. I don't post a lot of. You know, nobody wants to see these deformed feet and that kind of thing. But, <laughs> <laughs> and these ugly shoes. So I don't post a whole lot on it. Uh-huh. But I have a. You know, I have a Facebook page for that and that kind of thing. But like I said, I don't. Uh, you know, because of the HIPAA and that kind of thing, I don't post a lot on it. But occasionally, I'll, I'll, I'll post some things that I do. Mm. Are you work crazy with leather thing I've made or something. What's that? Do you work with leather at all? Yeah. Yeah. Work with leather and plaster and plastics and corks, foams, uh, silicone. I, I can work with pretty much any material. Cool. Well, it's been an honor uh, and a privilege to have you on here, dude. And I, I hope that we can we can do this again. Uh, I really appreciate sure, I really appreciate the the visual. I'm just gonna post this whole fucking thing uh, on on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I think people are gonna to be me. really stoked. Hey, yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, I'm I'm feeling really inspired to uh, experiment more with my plants now. Um, Maybe like letting them, letting them get a little desperate for water. Maybe stressing them out a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, if you, yeah, most people can't. Most people, you know, they tend to over baby the plants. They mm. tend to over take care of them. Too much water. Too much feeding. Too much shade. Not you know, and they, and then the, all the complaints are the same. It's dying. It's stretching. It's reaching. It's doing this. You know, it's all from too much care. Mm. You know, if you just let them on their own, let them be for a while, they'll be much better. They'll look more better. You know, they look like they're supposed to look. They'll have that characteristic look. Yeah. Because a lot of times I see plants and they just lose their character yeah. from the way they're grown. Can I ask you about soil? What what kind sure. of what kind of soil are you using? Uh, it's called. <laughs> right, no, you- I use pump. I use pumice, uh-huh. so like 80% pumice, mm-hmm. 10% decomposed granite, mm-hmm. and 10% old potting soil. Okay. And then I just mix that up, and um, it's so nutrient poor that, you know, it just recreates what they're used to. Yeah. And then feeding, I put in, 
Let's see. I have a 40-gallon bucket. I put in roughly two glugs of vinegar, which is probably half to a full cup of vinegar into the water to acidify it. Hmm. So the acidifying the water makes the nutrients more bioavailable. Yeah. So the roots will take up more nutrients, what little nutrients there are in my water. Because uh, I, I put hardly any food, you know, maybe a, a quarter cup to 40 gallons. And it's like, a, it's more of a tease than a feeding. Mm. But by acidifying the water, it makes the, what nutrients are there, whether you feed heavily or not, will make the nutrients get into the plant easier, faster. Are we lowering or raising the pH with the vinegar? Uh, bringing it down. Okay. So somewhere around 6. 5.8 to 6.2, 6. 6. right? Yeah, something like That's that. That's how we grew cannabis, 5.8 to 6.2. Yeah, uh, it's very similar. Yeah. You know, because that's what rainwater is. So, if, you mm. know, everybody, if you see the people that do water with rainwater, the plants, even if you have plants outside and it rains, they always look different than when you water with tap. Yeah. And it's because of the pH level. Yeah. And so if you acidify your water, whether it's vinegar or ammonia, I don't remember the... It's like a muriatic acid, muriatic acid you can add to the water. pH also. down, pH up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you will see a difference in the growth of your plants. Yeah. I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to be more serious about this. <laughs> I fucking use the hose. Not bro. too serious. You don't want I know, but I I mean I want I wanna I wanna be able to like experiment with those kind of things and I want my plants to have good water, you know? I fucking go out there with a the hose and just you know. Well yeah. I do that too occasionally. You know, because it's, I have about 800 plants. Fuck. And, and so to water it individually, which I would prefer to do, but I don't have the time to do that. So I do the same thing. I just, yeah. you know, one of these days I'll, I'll, I'll set up a sump pump in a barrel and, and, you know, have feeding and that way I won't use tap water. Mm. Uh, but, you know, one of these days, yeah, I'll get around to doing that. Yeah, that's what we used to do. Used to go to the water store, or or we'd get one of those filters. Uh, I don't remember what the filter is called, but um, yeah, I'd go to the water store sometimes. But I ended up spending quite a bit of money buying water. Uh, yeah. The one thing that I won't let my plant, certain plants, get stressed is I I grow a lot of trico cereus, and I like the yeah. glaucescence, you know. So if I oh, let yeah, it, if yeah, I yeah. let it get into the light too much, or if I you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Then I lose that effect, but with the, some of these more native, like desert plants, um, definitely yeah. want to experiment with this. Yeah. Uh, well, I really appreciate your time, brother, and uh, we're just at just about at an hour. That's perfect. Uh, people can find you uh, at Kitoi. That's K I T O I. Uh, what yeah. you got your email address on there too, right? Yeah. What is it? Uh, feel free. Uh, codex dot one o n e at gmail codex one yeah let me check if anybody so, else sent any more questions you, know, you can message me you know i answer all my dms uh no matter how complicated the question is i'll answer wow you know i, I reply to everyone that's awesome spreading knowledge yeah because I, like i was telling somebody today if i wish i would have had this kind of format 30 years ago because mm. there was nothing there was a nursery the great petaluma desert in petaluma that's where i learned the bulk of what i know now is from the nursery owner there mm. but that was you know by that time it was what mid 90s and so it was still hit or miss i, I killed a lot of plants to learn what i know <laughs> You know, so by me sharing what I know, hopefully you won't kill as many. Sure. Yeah. Well, people have but it But you're good. still going to kill. You're still going to kill. But hopefully you'll, because <laughs> I think back, oh, some of the plants I've killed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This era has it, has it very good with the, with the endless access to information and with people like you being kind enough to give, you know, an hour of their time. Um, yeah. So... Yeah, I'm learning, and and that's what someone asked me. Kevin asked me what my intentions were, and I, I was so nervous and really feel like mm -hmm. I answered it uh, to the best of my ability. But really, I, my main purpose here is for is to learn and to share knowledge yeah. so that everybody else yep. can learn along with me. You know, so thank you so much, bro. I really appreciate it. Hey, anytime you want to do this again, I'm all, I'm up. Awesome, and Modesto, huh? Your way out there. 
for me. Oh, yeah, for dude. me. Everybody thinks I everybody think everybody thinks I'm in Southern California. And then when I say Modesto, they say, What? Modesto? Nothing <laughs> grows out there. Just well, fruit. Apparently it does. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take a look at Ketoy's feed. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Cool, bro. Thanks so much. If everybody could please uh like, review, subscribe, and hit that share button, that would be absolutely righteous. Thank you again, everyone, and uh, have a good night. Thanks. All right, good night.